Sister Ellen, thank you for speaking with me. In session six, we hear a lot about the horrible frequencies of the innocent being sentenced to death, as well as the challenge of simultaneously respecting the victims, their families, and the perpetrators. What factors do you think have led to so many wrongful convictions for murder and other violent crimes? What is needed in order to prevent these unjust verdicts? Well, first of all, wrongful convictions. I, I talk a lot to lawyers, you know, because I have taken and accompanied different people on death row and in prison. And how do you get a wrongful conviction? How do you get somebody signing a false confession? Purely and simply, there are a number of ways. First of all, take Dobie Gillis Williams. He's the first story in Death of Innocence. Um, here's an African-American man. He's in the police basement. A white woman had been killed. They did a dragnet of three young black men who happened to be seen out late at night in the kind near vicinity. And he's in there and they start pumping him and they start pressuring him on hour upon hour upon hour. And they fed him the confession. And finally, he just wanted to get out of there. They fed him the confession. You can see how it was cobbled together. If he had had decent defense, and this is the other way that you get wrong for conviction, you don't have a real fiery defense attorney who's going to get in there and find the lies and say, look what you did. You forced him to make that confession. There's a, there are books written. There, there's one book written on seven true ways of how you get false confessions. And first, that person is thrown into a holding room. They've been picked up off the streets. And it's just doubly dangerous for you if you're a person of color. That happens a lot more easily. But you're thrown into a holding thing and you put in a room for questioning. One of their first rules is you don't even have a paper clip on the table for a person to disperse their nervous energies to play with a paper clip. They're just sitting in that room waiting. They don't let them go to the bathroom. They may get thirsty. You just look at the story of the Central Park Five. These young, five young people of color, all accused, all signed confessions that they had been instrumental in the in the beating and almost killing of the Central Park jogger. And they all signed the confessions. There's a documentary on this of how they did it. And they wear them down, wear them down. And these are just young kids for the most part. And they're even saying things like, we know you didn't do this, okay? Now look, we just want you to take us there and getting them to point to each other. And one kid even said, after he gave them information, they asked it and asked and they gave it. And he said, can I go home now? Can I be with my mama? And they, they promised him everything. Oh, look, oh, you just have to answer this and you can go. How many years later? Then finally, these lawyers and these investigators getting in there and said, every one of these kids was made to lie and they served years in prison. And it happens all the time because who's in power? Who's in control? There's nobody around to help, help you. People cave in, they get scared, and sometimes they're just outright beaten. They just beat them, and they can. I remember the first man I was with on death row, he was beaten by the police so badly, they didn't let his mother come to see him for six weeks. First of all, his front teeth had been knocked out. When people are in power over, and there's another factor too. If there's been a terrible crime, 
and the people questioning somebody is convinced that they're the ones who did the crime and killed somebody. I mean, you look at all the law and order and they got these young punks in there. Yeah, we gonna get it out and they throw them up against the wall. There's a, also a legitimate anger that the policemen have to deal with that a terrible crime has been done, especially here's another one of the young people doing it and it's hard for them to control themselves. You have all these factors in there. And that's why you're supposed to always have a lawyer by you. But then they, a lot of times they talk to them and they just say, oh, well, if you wanna have a lawyer, but you can trust us, we're gonna give you a fair deal and all that kind of stuff happens. That's how you get so many wrongful convictions. And then once they're done, when you go into trial, you say, well, we got a confession here to show the jury. Almost always that senses it for a jury where they confess. Violent crime can provoke people to be angry or even hateful toward an offender. While this reaction may be understandable, how do you recommend that people channel these strong feelings? Well, the first thing I want to say is that when an innocent person has been killed, it is righteous to feel anger and outrage at their killing. You shouldn't just be, or we can't immediately go to, well, I shouldn't feel that way as a Christian. Jesus said we have to forgive. First, we have to own what we actually feel. And there is anger and outrage, especially in a community. Like look right now with the killing of the, of the Asian people in Atlanta. Look at the killing in Boulder. Uh, and anger uh, not only at that person who did the killing, but walks into the parking lot with a gun where they have open carry. So the p people in there in the store sees a guy walking in, in the parking lot with a rifle and comes into the store and he can walk in, he, you, they have open carry. Crazy gun laws, we can be angry at that to change that. But the anger at what happens to individual human beings and the death and the destruction. Anger, though, can be good because it sparks us to action. If we just believe we're going to return in kind for in kind, they impose pain, we're going to impose pain, then we're not in our liberated Jesus selves. We are just in that basic reptilian brain. They hurt me. We're going to hurt them and make them suffer. And we have to, as a society, the punishing of crime or keeping society safe from people who have done terrible crimes is about us and what kind of people we should be. Dostoevsky, the famous Russian writer said, you can judge a society by the way a society treats its people in prison. Wow. Thank you so much, Sister Prejean.